0: Come on, would you give Jesus, put your hands together for Jesus real quick. Welcome to Easter Sunday at Victory Church. Come on, let's give God praise one more time. God, hallelujah. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. My name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I get the incredible privilege to pastor Victory Church. And if you are visiting with us today, we want to say welcome We are so glad you're here. Listen, we love, we love, we love Easter Sunday for so many reasons. Obviously, uh, it's a great opportunity for people to be able to come and experience the church for the first time. But what I love about the entire weekend is this. Friday, we celebrate a Good Friday, right? Now, the Good Friday, it it was good for us. It wasn't so much good for him, but Friday was the day that Christ climbs up on the cross and dies for our sins, and then we've got Saturday where if if heaven was counting, heaven's on the count number two, and everybody's kind of wondering what's going on. Some disciples are feeling like they made a bad decision. Some are still hopeful. And then you get day three where Jesus resurrects. And that's what today is all about is the resurrection of Jesus. And listen to this. This is what I love. There's not another God, not another God that either claimed to resurrect and certainly not another God who did resurrect Right? So that's what makes our God the God. Come on and give him praise. (laughs) Resurrected. Man, I'm so excited to be here with you. Hey, if you got your Bibles, would you open up to the book of John chapter 11? John chapter 11. If you don't got your Bibles, don't worry. We'll have it on the screen behind me. It's also on the app, as Pastor Brian said. Or you can look on your phone. A lot of people have. They can just Google it up on their phone and check it out. John chapter 11. 11 is where we are. I want to, as you're turning real quick, just uh, amen what they were talking about. First of all, the you asked for it cards. Here's what I've learned. In, in the modern church today, a lot of pastors are preaching and answering questions that nobody's asking. And so what we, we want to do is we want to have just a season, just a little bit of time, four or five weeks, whatever it might be throughout the year, where we can really focus on preaching the questions that you are asking. And so, again, they didn't give you a whole bunch of time right then. But throughout the service, if you get a moment, even afterwards, if you want to jot down something, you can find somebody in a red shirt and give them that card. And we're going to take that over the next five weeks and compile it. And if we don't get to your question in those five weeks, don't worry. We're going to use that material to develop a lot of what we're preaching on in 2020. And we just want to do our best to be able to answer what you're asking about God and about the Bible. Amen. And then again, as they said, after service, they're going to direct you 100 percent, get you out there for there's more there's 10,000 Easter eggs that we have for kids and adults. There's five inflatables, there's free food for everybody. It's going to be a blast. You guys ready? Let me ask you, you ready for the word? There we go. All right, John chapter 11. I want to talk to you real quick this morning about another resurrection. Another resurrection. Okay, John chapter 11, we're going to start at verse one. you're going to see we're actually going to go to verse 44, but before you freak out, we're not going to read 44 verses, okay? we're going to kind of skip a little bit. I want you to get some of the highlights of this part, but John 11, verse one, says, "Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and the village of Mary and her sister Martha. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, "Lord, the one you love is sick." And when he heard this, Jesus said, "This sickness will not end." And now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. And on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary's to comfort them in the loss of their brother. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and I am the life. The one who believes in me will live even though... They die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time, that boy's going to stink. There's a bad odor, right? Right? It has been there for four days. And then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Everybody say, another? Another? Resurrection. The Bible records over 10 resurrections. Obviously, there is none, more comp- none, none better, none comparable to the resurrection that we celebrate today, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But there are over 10 resurrections, but there was something, I believe, a little unique about Lazarus' resurrection. I, I think there was something Jesus was trying to show people. I believe Jesus was trying to prepare people for his resurrection, And so you'll see a lot of similarities in the process of Lazarus from the grave to out of the grave, as you will with Jesus in his crucifixion and in his resurrection. I just think there are similarities. And the reason for those similarities is so that we can get a clear concept of the purpose behind Christ's death and resurrection. And I want to talk to you real quick this morning just about three of those similarities. Three similarities that the resurrection of Lazarus and the resurrection of Jesus share. The first one is this. They share the same motivation. Both resurrections, the resurrection of Lazarus and the resurrection of Jesus, they share the same motivation. All right, walk with me. So Mary and Martha are getting ready to send a message to Jesus. They need to inform Christ that Lazarus is sick And whatever they say has to be good enough to motivate Jesus to leave where he is and make his way to Bethany so that he can bring healing to Lazarus. And so they begin their text message, right? They're typing it out. They're Marco Polo and Jesus, right, getting ready to send him a message, trying to let him know something's happened. And it's very interesting in the way they word it because they say two things. They let him know that he's sick, but they say something before they let him know his condition. Before they ever mention a symptom, they talk about a sentiment. They say, for the one whom you love. So they didn't start with his condition. They started with affection. The one whom you love is sick. They got Jesus' attention with the fact that it was the one he loved. And they knew that if they were going to motivate Christ to leave where he was and to travel all of that way to Bethany, to be a part of something where he could just speak and Lazarus would be healed, if they were going to motivate him to move, they had to motivate them with love. There is no greater motivator than love. I'll prove it to you. How many of you ever dated as teenagers? You remember dating some teenagers? Some of y'all that's a while away ago, right? right? Remember dating as a teenager? And let me tell you, if you were dated as a teenager, you know what it was like to be motivated by love. Because you stayed up till midnight on the phone, right, saying, you hang up. No, you hang up. You hang up, no, you hang up. Y'all been there? There was no worse tragedy in the world than when the cordless phone died. Because if it died, you had to go to bed. And so it was just you hang up, no, you hang up, no, you hang up. Some of us, we like to doodle on the notebook. Remember, ladies, when you mixed his last name with your first name for the first time, and you doodled on the notebook and all this kind of stuff, right? You were motivated by love. I was thinking back to my day in in high school, and I remembered something that I did. This is going to date me a little bit. Okay, so you're sitting in your chair going, how old is he? L- let, let me help you. Um, I like to play a game in high school called MASH. Y'all remember that? Okay, for, for, for older people, it's not the sitcom about the war, okay? All right? For younger people, you don't even know what the word MASH is. It's not potatoes. And let me just kind of walk with you, okay? MASH was this. You put the words M-A-S-H, it stood for mansion, apartment, shack, And house, right? And then you had categories. You had uh, who you were going to marry, your spouse. Then you had what kind of car you were going to drive. You had how much money you were going to make a year. You had what you were going to do for a living. You might have put, you know, whether you're going to have uh, children or pets. And you got four options. And you put them down so you had this much salary, one, two, three, four. And you drew a circle like this right here. Just drew. Y'all remember this? Right? I'm 34 years old. Bear with me. All right? So y'all circle. And then they would say stop, and you would stop, and they'd count the lines. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And so you start at mansion, and you go one, two, three, four, five, six, right? And you would count. Y'all walking with me? All right, we're going to have a whole uh, church-wide game of mash after service right by the inflatables. Just get ready. And so you would mark out whichever one it was, and, and eventually when you marked out three of the four, that's what you got. And so if, if the only thing you didn't mark out was a Lamborghini, you got a Lamborghini. The only thing you didn't mark out was a hoopty. You got a hoopty. You know what I mean? Just kind of depending on what happened. Now, we didn't put those cars there. But here's what I used it for. Are you ready? This is how motivated I was by love is I chose the girl in school that I liked, the one that I wanted to let her know I liked her, but I wasn't sure if she liked me. And I always got her to play the game MASH. And here's what I would do. First of all, I would put her name down on my list because I wanted to see how she would react. Because if when I put her name down, she goes, hee <laughs> then I would know I'm good. If I put her name down, she goes, why are you putting my name down? We had a problem, right? <laughs> and then when I was like, hey, it's your turn. Y'all with me? Am I the only one that does it? Am I this desperate? Okay, And, and so, so when it was her turn, I would sit back and watch because she had four choices to put me down. You know, she was always going to put down the football star or whatever it is. And I'm waiting, I'm waiting. Sometimes people put celebrities. And it was so funny because the game meant nothing. Wasn't going to actually come true. Nobody married George Clooney. Teenagers. He was a doctor in a sitcom about. Okay, it doesn't matter. But I just wanted to know what was she gonna pick me. That's how you knew you were motivated by love. If you're married, you've been motivated by love. Those of you that are visiting, let me let you into my personal life real quick. My wife is vegan. Um, I am not. Uh, what vegan means? I went to bed one night. She was a normal human being. I woke up. She was vegan. I was stirring eggs going, you're what? I don't even know what that means. And so her birthday came up, and in Nashville, downtown Nashville, they had something called a veg Fest. Y'all heard about this? I can't believe this exists. It's a festival for vegans and vegetarians. It is a festival where people come together, and they worship plants and pet animals. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's not what they do. It's really close, but that's not what they do. They come together and they celebrate vegan recipes or whatever. Anyway, it was her birthday, and that's what she wanted to do. She wanted to go to veg Fest, And so we got tickets, and we go there, and there were five, walk with me, 500 people in line to be able to get into veg Fest. Apparently, someone had lied to all of these people about what was happening inside this building. So there were 500 people, and I'm standing in line, and I remember looking at a friend of mine, and I'm going, this isn't a meat fest, and it isn't a chocolate chip cookie fest. Why am I in a line with 500 people? I couldn't believe it, but again, the only reason why I would be standing in line outside at the VegFest would be love, right? <laughs> motivated by it. If you got kids, you're motivated by love. Let me prove to you. This is the only reason I can say this right here, that I know Pinkie Pie, Fluttershy, Rainbow Dash, Applejack, and Rarity, My four-year-old would be happy right now. In case you're wondering, who is that? It's not the, it's not the disciples' names or anything like that. It, it's the My Little Ponies is who it is. And I know them by name because I'm motivated by love. The whole resurrection, the resurrection of Lazarus and the resurrection of Jesus, they are both motivated by the same thing, love. And if somehow you check out, you don't hear anything else, I say, hear this, Okay. God sending his son to die on a cross and ultimately resurrect was not motivated by your good deeds. It was not motivated by your spiritual maturity. It wasn't even motivated by your ability to translate Hebrew and Greek. Here's the best thing. It wasn't even motivated by your love for him. It was motivated by his love for you. Right? People say, man, I just I don't know if I'm doing enough to let Jesus know. That's not what motivated him. He didn't send Christ because of how much you loved him. He sent Christ because of how much he loved you. These resurrections are two different moments, but they share the same motivation. What does John 3.16 say? For God so loved the world. I I notice it doesn't say for God so wanted you and I to love him. doesn't say that, right? doesn't say, for God so wanted you to be able to quote scripture. It doesn't say, for God so wanted you to be able to be faithful to church attendance. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He was motivated by love. I think a lot of us know what happened on Easter Sunday, but we have to make sure we know why it happened on Easter Sunday. Did you know that there's a a part in the scriptures where it says that Jesus could have called on 12 legions of angels to come and stop the process? Could have stopped it right then. And the process to the cross could have stopped it like that. There's another verse that says that Christ died while we were yet sinners. Here's what that tells me. Is that when it comes to the cross, your ability to be good didn't keep him there. And the nails didn't keep him there. But his love for you kept him there. And here's the statement ultimately that I want to put on this concept. I am not trying to arrive at a place where God will love me. I'm trying to live out of the love that he's already demonstrated for me. And that's the message of the gospel. I feel like we can fall into a temptation of trying to live in a way that God might love us. And God says, I already love you. Live in the love that I've already demonstrated for you. Amen. Amen. So they shared the same motivation. Number two, they shared the same misunderstanding. I thought it was so interesting that Jesus tells the disciples, this sickness will not end in death. And then he dies. You just said it won't end in death, Jesus. And then he died. I want to talk for a moment. Is there anybody in here that could say, uh, there's been a moment in my life where what I saw didn't line up with what God said. God said that, it wasn't going to end in death. And then, guess what? It, it did. It was interesting to me that Jesus hears about Lazarus being sick, and then he chooses to wait two days. The Bible says that in travel, it would have taken Jesus two days to get to Bethany. So by waiting two days, that means that was a total of four days from the moment they called him to the moment he would have gotten there. Four days. And I always thought, why, why would Jesus wait? Why why, why does he delay his move? You know, I I don't know how many of y'all were raised in church, or maybe church is kind of a new thing, but there was this song back in the day. I got saved at 19 years old, and I remember there was this song that was kind of popular at one time, and it was like, I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away. Am I the only one? Let's try this again, because I can't sing, so I'm going to need your help. You ready? I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away. Hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. Ooh, doesn't that make you want to shout? You get that little country moving, down, like ooh, that's a knee slapper. I'll fly away. You know what I never heard? I'll wait two days, yeah, lazy, I'll wait two days. By the time I arrive, you won't be sick, you'll be died. I'll wait two days. Why don't we celebrate that, right? We're so big to talk about how we're going to fly away and go to heaven. Jesus waited two days. And because he waited, Lazzy died. So I've been confused by that. And I just wondered this. Is it possible that when it comes to Jesus, you and I have a tendency to misunderstand the delay? I was in the car with my 4-year-old the other day. We were driving. And sometimes she'll have my phone or whatever while we're driving because, you know, in 2019, kids don't know how to entertain themselves. And so when you go from your house to the gas station, they got to have a phone, right? Remember when you entertained yourself with the car window? You know what I'm talking about? You just lock, unlock, lock, unlock, lock, unlock, Look, Mom, where are we going? Mom, where are we going? Mom, you, know, you just entertained yourself. That was back in the day. And so uh, we had kind of an old-fashioned DVD player in the car. She couldn't have my phone because in the middle of a conversation. And she gets the DVD player. She turns it on starts watching it. And I'm driving. And all of a sudden, she starts throwing a fit. And I'm like, hey, hey, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? She goes, I can't get the DVD DVD player to work. It it won't work. And so I said, hold on, I'm driving. And so we got to a red light and I said, here, hand it to me. She handed it to me. I pulled it in front of me and it was loading. I realized she doesn't know what it means to wait for something to load. Could you imagine our kids dealing with dial-up internet? Mom, dad, get the laptop. All right, boom you see that bar right there in about two and a half days that bar will be full and then you can get on here and they wouldn't understand it they don't know delay it's it's I want it it's on right now where's the wi-fi my kid is four years old walking in restaurants going do you have a wi-fi password like what's wrong with the world today right they don't understand delay and I think often as God's children we don't understand delay We're just unfamiliar with the loading concept, and so when Jesus isn't doing exactly what we wanted him to do or what he said he would do right now, we have a problem with the delay. And we tend to want to jump ship before we want to wait and say, maybe God actually has a purpose and a plan for the delay. Studying more and more on why Jesus would wait two days, why not three, why not one, why wait two days. In Jewish tradition, you weren't considered dead until you had been dead for four days. If you were dead for one day, they considered you not dead. you were dead for two days, they considered you not dead. If you were dead for three days, they considered you not dead. But for some reason, on the fourth day, if you were dead, you were dead, right? You were just, it just they started wrapping you up, putting you in, in some kind of great, you you were dead. And Jesus knew this. So here's what Jesus knew. Everybody in Bethany knows me as a healer. They know me as a healer. And if I show up on day one and I minister to Lazarus, then I heal him and they know me as they've always known me. If I show up on day two and I speak to Lazarus, then according to their tradition, I have healed him and they know me as they've always known me. If I show up on day three and I speak to Lazarus, then I have healed him and they know me as they always know me. But if I wait two days and I come walking into Bethany on the fourth day, they'll consider Lazarus dead. And when I speak to him and he comes out of the grave, they'll no longer know me as a healer. They will now know me as the Resurrector. I'll be the resurrection and the life. Jesus was re-presenting himself to them. They knew him as a healer. He was about to be known as the resurrection and the life. I was reading over the crucifixion story and the resurrection story this week, just in prayer time, kind of getting my mind back for this season. And there was, if you kind of might be familiar with this, they take Jesus and they beat him and they they put this crown of thorns on his head in in a mockery and they give him this like robe in a mockery and they, they slap him, they spit on his face. And when they put him on the cross, they put this sign above his head that says Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. And they put it above him, mocking him weren't really calling him a king, they were, they were mocking him. They had labeled Jesus as something. And then I was reading through and when he died, it says that the veil was ripped in half and the ground began to shake. And there's a recording of a guard, a specific guard saying he was truly the son of God. He was re-presenting himself. They mocked him as the king of Jews, but now they proclaimed him as the son of God. It's a re-presenting. The resurrection is all about a re-presenting. Some of us in here have been presented the wrong God. We've been presented the wrong understanding of who Jesus is and what he's about and why he cares about you and why he wants to know you and what he wants to do with your life. Something has happened and it's been misrepresented. And this Easter, the resurrection, is about him re-presenting himself to you. I understand that maybe he didn't do exactly what you thought he was gonna do, but don't misunderstand the delay. Trust God. Walk out the process. Let him re present himself to you amen so it shared the same motivation it shared the same misunderstanding and then lastly it shared the same mission shared the same mission Jesus arrives into Bethany and I kind of let me ask you y'all ever do this you ever have somebody tell you something and you immediately kind of form a picture in your mind of what it would look like you know like if someone comes to you and says hey I'm dating somebody and you go oh really what's their name like Jeanette Sorry, Miss Jeanette, if you're in here. Um, and you start kind of forming in your mind what they might look like. Y'all ever done that? Somebody starts, you know, you're meeting somebody for the first time, you start trying to kind of decide what they might look like, and we're, we're often wrong all the time, right, but it's interesting. So when I read this story about Jesus showing up to this grave and Lazarus being resurrected, I kind of made this picture in my head, and here's kind of what it looked like to me. Jesus walks up, comes up, hey, Lazarus, come out. Stone moves, and out comes Lazzy, and he's just like, Here I am, resurrected. Everybody, hallelujah, fly away, oh, glory, fly away. Right? I mean, just there it is. And so I'm kind of trying to understand what what the mission of this resurrection was and, and how it shares and how it's similar to the resurrection of Jesus. And I read something that I haven't quite really read before. So let's just read this a little bit slower, and let's get the real picture of what happened, Okay. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. So right now, my illustration is 100% correct. Jesus walked up and said, Lazarus, come out, okay. The dead man came out, watch this, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen. Wait a minute, okay, Back then they would wrap you kind of like a mummy. Y'all ever seen mummy? Not the Tom Cruise one, the Brendan Fraser one, you know, what I'm talking about? So they would wrap them up with with the and they would wrap their hands all the way up and they'd wrap their bodies, and the only thing they would leave is like this right here, this little face right here. Just be like, look like this. And they would wrap them up for this reason, so that the body odor would they'd be able to at least stop it from spreading some. So when I read this, walk with me for a second. If I'm wrapped up in linen, linen. I'm not busting out in the Michael Jackson thriller. You know what I mean? I don't have that like, I can't do it. I'm I'm rap, So I can't. (laughs) Doesn't doesn't that lose some of it? (sighs) Wait, y'all didn't get it. Jesus walks up, Lazarus, watch this, Lazarus, come out. I'm out. People are like, ah, oh, you're amazing, Jesus, you're the man, Rockstar. Reality. Lazarus, come out. I'm getting all my exercises in before. He would have failed. He would have fell. Right? So he doesn't have anything over his face. So you know he's alive. But he's wrapped up so he can't walk, he can't move. So then that made the next verse make a lot more sense to me. Jesus said to them, to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. All right. We got at least three people in this story. Let him go. Who's him? Lazarus. Them. Who's them? I don't know. Maybe you know. You should preach next Sunday. I don't know. Probably Mary and Martha. Martha could be a couple of his boys. Jesus rode with boys, right? Could be some some people guarding the tomb. I don't know. It's just two people. So what that tells me is that two people went into the tomb, at least two, got him, and were carrying him out, right? Now, the fabric is off of his face, so you can tell he's alive. He's breathing. He's smiling. He's like, what up, y'all? man!" You remember that old commercial? What You know, people are like, whoa, goodness, you know, when did you brush last? Do you even lift, bro? And so they're carrying him out, and Jesus sees them carrying him out. Jesus says, hey, take off the grave clothes and then let him go. I'm like, well, why? Why did you choose to put that in the Bible? Why is that so significant for us on Easter Sunday? Why did it need to happen in the resurrection of Lazarus so that we could understand the purpose of the resurrection of Jesus. Why is it important? Because two things happen in that moment. Number one, Jesus brought Lazarus. He, he he made Lazarus alive, and then he told him to live. It's two different things. Get him out. Get him out of the grave. Take the fabric off his face. Is he breathing? He's breathing. He's smiling, his breast stinks, but he's smiling. Okay, then he's alive. But get the grave clothes off of him and release him and let him walk so that he can live. There's a difference in being alive and living. There's a lot of people who are alive, but not living. A few years ago, I, I got a pretty bad sickness. And for about three or four months, I was on heavy medication. And, and it, was, it was miserable. I was in a lot of pain. I would go to work. I would come home about 5 o'clock. I would get on the couch. There was a heating pad. My wife would have the heating pad. She was amazing. She'd have the whole thing ready for me. I'd come in. I'd sit down. I wouldn't move from the couch until it was bedtime. I'd go to bed early often because it was so miserable. I was breathing. I was alive. But I wasn't living. And that, that's what I'm talking about today is the difference in you being alive and you living. See, Friday, Christ got up on a cross. And they nailed his hands to the cross, they nailed his feet to the cross, and he died, and at that moment, he says, the Bible says he separated from his father, and at that moment, he took your sins and my sins upon him, and at that moment, we became alive. All you have to do is believe in Jesus Christ and confess with your mouth. And the Bible says that what Christ did for you forgives your sins, makes your sins that are as red as scarlet now white as snow. The Bible says you spend eternity in heaven because you believe in Jesus Christ. Not because you memorize scripture, not because you are a Bible-studying, Bible leading small group, it's because you believe in Jesus. You come alive. But on Sunday, he resurrected. And you know why he resurrected? So that you and I could live because there's a difference in being alive and there's a difference in living. When we live, I get the privilege this morning, I'm gathered around 100 of our Dream Teamers as we're praying and believing for this day and I'm looking at the faces of people who aren't just alive, but they're living. They're living. They're in a relationship with Jesus. They're watching God operate in their marriage. They're watching God operate in their friendships. They're watching God use them in their God-given purpose. Malcolm talked about growth track and being able to come in and find your purpose. We believe, we say this, let's let's see if I got enough people in here with me to remember. We say this at Victory Church. You are here on purpose because you, there it is. Jesus died so that you could experience eternity in heaven. He resurrected so that you could walk and live in freedom while you're here. You could experience all that he has for you now. Do me a favor, just close your eyes. For a second. I want to give you an opportunity this morning. Maybe you have never been told before that God was motivated by love. The cross, the crucifixion, the resurrection. It's not motivated by your good deeds, it's motivated by how much he loves you. Maybe God's been misrepresented to you. And maybe you've had an experience in the past with religion, tradition, You've had a misunderstanding of who God is and what God's about. And last but not least, maybe you're alive, but you're not living. I want to give you an opportunity this morning, and then we just want to celebrate. An opportunity to say, you know what, God? I need you. I need you in my life. The Bible says you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth. Some of you have got hurt marriages, sicknesses, kids that are wandering around. You don't know what's going to happen. God wants to walk that process out with you. God wants to give you freedom in your situation. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to say a prayer. And I'm going to ask that everybody would repeat it after me. And then when I'm done, I'm going to ask if you prayed that prayer for you specifically, if you just put your hand in the air and we just want to celebrate you. It's not about anybody being able to see you or know your story, but there's a moment where we want to celebrate what God's doing in your life. So pray this with me. Say, Jesus, I believe that you died for me on a cross for my sins so that what is red as scarlet could be white as snow. You took my sins upon you on that cross. I acknowledge that you died for my sins. And I believe on the third day, you resurrected. You came out of the grave. You live so that I can live. You live so that I can experience freedom. I ask right now that you would be my Lord and my Savior. That you would help guide me, lead me, direct me. Help me to be better. Help me to be stronger. Help me to have faith. Help me to walk in the freedom that you gave me. I'm alive Thanks to your death. But thanks to your resurrection, I want to live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that for you, would you put your hand up real quick? Let me just be able to see it. Shoot it up real quick. Come on. Come on. Can we give God praise real quick? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.